You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Van, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and a toast to the end of the 2022 regular season. See you. Oh, yeah, just a sense of relief, Grump, over anything else. Uh, the Eagles are not Super Bowl champs, so everything else right now is just gravy because I had a I felt like we were walking to the gallows yesterday. I, I really thought they were going to blow out Kansas City. I was wrong. You know, I my official bets were I gave the one and a half points. I thought it'd be the under because I didn't think Kansas City would be able to do much against their defense, and I was completely wrong. So, one of the few days I've never been happier to be wrong in my life. Um, not really sure what I thought going into it. I can certainly tell you what I thought going into halftime with the score what it was and Mahomes walking the way he was. Yeah. But um overall just a really enjoyable game to watch. Just incredibly entertaining game. Oh yeah. I mean it was uh you know obviously you know as, as a giant fan we're very invested if it's not our team we don't want one of our biggest rivals to win so you feel almost invested as if it's your own team and uh it was just uh you know these are these are the two best teams this year. You know I mean Cincinnati can make a claim if they want to, but you know, at the end of the day, these were the two best teams, and you know, I, I feel like if these two teams played each other ten times, it'd probably be five five or six four either way. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking here at the ratings. They had it's the third highest Super Bowl um, ratings of all time. I mean, people, uh, you know, I guess a lot of that's because. You have a very popular halftime show and a close game to the very end. People are going to stick around and keep watching. But uh, you know, this is what America wanted, and this is what they got. And uh, it was good. Exciting. This was a good game. Let's get some house cleaning out of the way first. Um, good news in the Giants' front for the offseason. Biggest concerns coming into it was Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley's contract situation. Second biggest concerns was which coordinators were gone and which ones were staying we got some positive news that both coaches are out of the running for the indianapolis or uh indianapolis colts head coaching gig um although i don't think they did they name a person yet i do not believe they have yet but uh we know it's not wink martindale yes and it looks like um rumors are making it look like the Arizona Cardinals will be down to just two finalists, Mike Kafka not among them. So this is in my opinion this is all good news. This is all that group of guys that they brought together last year returning to build on what they've laid down, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, I think we thought before this process started that we were pretty sure that Mike Kafka would most likely be back wink, a little more concern, but um yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, if Daniel Jones is resigned, something he hasn't really had much of in his career is continuity with his coachings, coaching staff, whether it's head coach, offensive coordinator. Um, you know, assuming he does come back, it's going to be year two with these guys. And 
they've had an a, an off season and a season to evaluate, you know, what he does and does best, and they can build on. It. And the defense again is is established a definitely a culture with this defense wants to do, and now it's just getting better talent. So it's really good news on for our point. Yeah, the way I see it is it's just I liked a lot of the foundation of what was put together, what was patchworked together last year. This is just, you know, this is just good news on the, you know, it, we're, we're, we can continue to build here. This is all good news for me. It's just, we continue sure. that upward trajectory, you know, that kind of mentality, right? Absolutely. Um, all right, let's get to the game. Let's start off with, uh, let's just start off with the, uh, with the game, right? Yeah. Um, Generally speaking, Nick Sirianni. <laughs> I'm gonna have a, a, an opinion. I don't know. I I I enjoy the fact that he is the Eagles head coach. Let me say it like that. Um, I think he's a dick. Um, I think he, man, he's a villain. He's a perfect villain. That's where I was arriving, but I just yeah. I couldn't formulate the words. What a wimp with the crying and the get out of here with this shit. You know, I, I was clowning on Jordan Mailata for like the longest time for crying after losing a game he actually played in, you know, before the Super Bowl even started this pussy up on the line. I'm sorry. Come on, man. Nut up. If you're going to be the dick throughout the whole game, you can't even make it to the national anthem. It's kind of ridiculous. Anyway, moving on. You know what? Also, you don't get that whole line of me making fun of you if you're not a dickhead. If, if I'm being honest, so whatever. But he is a good coach. Um, we certainly made fun of the hire um, because we were kind of like, who the hell is this guy? And, you know, the personality is the first thing that we were hit with. So, right. but there's no denying th- th- these were two of the best offenses I think I've seen in a while. Um, truly and honestly. Uh, in different ways, completely unstoppable. Um, this felt different than that. What was it? The the Bills Chiefs game like a couple years ago, where they changed the overtime rules, or was that last right. year? It didn't uh, feel last- like that, but it was the same kind of yo yo thing where it was just these offenses are nuts, man. Mm-hmm. And you know, Jalen Hurts has had a great year. Jalen Hurts, if you just look at his individual parts, like you know, you know. Obviously, that Hail Mary was something that with my bad shoulder right now, I probably could throw just as far as he did. But you know, quarterbacking is just not arm, only arm strength. It's, you know, being smart, being accurate, you know, knowing your reads, having instincts. And he has all those things. He has, he's a very intangible guy. Um, and he's, he's the perfect quarterback for this system. And I think this is something when we, you know, as I'm watching this game, everything in my brain goes back to now. What do the Giants need to do to be this, or how do we need to improve? It's you know, they've done a good job of tailoring this offense around their quarterback, and that's something that I think we're going to continue to see, you know, with us going forward. But yeah, I mean, that's coaching, and the, you know, taking the parts that you have and maximizing what you have, and that to me is when I'm when I'm watching the Eagle offense, you know, that to me is just always sticks out at me is. Guys are open. There's, you know, things look different. The, 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 the quarterback, you know, push, that scrum thing. I mean, you didn't see that before this team did it. That's, well, that's a great coaching. I do want to – so I agree with a lot of that stuff. Um, I, I agree with all that. Um, 
But I do want to talk about the quarterback sneak because this is actually something I've had conversations with weeks ago. Um, and I've now recently seen this circulated multiple times now on like Twitter uh, about the rules possibly getting rid of that. That's actually something that I would have said um, before this year, before Philly started doing it, um, because this has actually come about because of a rule change. Um, they, a couple of years ago, it might have been like 10 years at this point, but they changed the rules so that you could allow offensive linemen blocking downfield after initial contact. That didn't used to be allowed. Um, and they decided to allow it. I, I think it was always allowed at the college level. Um and so that's kind of where this comes from, is the offensive push from behind was illegal up until, you know, maybe like 10 years ago. Nobody's quite used it the way Philly has, which I think is genius. Uh, and they've used it to incredible effect. And it goes beyond just the push, right? Like they have a really good offensive line. Uh, Jalen Hurts is really good at just he, – he's a good natural runner uh, between the tackles style guy at, at some respect. But um, Do you have a problem with that play though? I, I don't – I mean – I have a, here's here's my problem with the play, and my problem with the play is the same problem I have with the rule. All right, the rules are being tailored now towards player safety, and every time they change the rules for player safety, it's always a defensive guy's got to lay off. Defensive guy's got to lay off. He's got to do this. He's got to hit right here. He's got to slow down. He can't hit him in the face or around the legs. It's only in the middle. You know all these insane targets for defensive players to do. And then arbitrarily, like 10 years ago, they changed this rule so that offensive linemen can be sprinting downfield and <laughs> slam into a pile and push it further. Now, to me, yes, that's football. But it also, you have you have two groups of guys that are not trying to achieve the same goal anymore. When you have a stalemate, defenders are now being ruled out of pushing that person to the ground and ruled more to lay off now you have the rules enforcing offensive linemen coming downfield to hit that and that doesn't play to player safety so for me i had a problem with this rule going beyond this play now i think i think my problem with the play is you only need to have an offense that's designed to go nine yards in three plays and I think most teams in the league can run this to get one yard. I I, I don't know. And it it stems from the same epidemic of uh, defanging the defense. You know what I mean? I I don't have a problem with Philly doing this. You know, I don't think it's a cheap thing, whatever. I do think if it becomes a trend in the NFL, they will have to do something to offset it. I don't know what, though. Well, if you know your NFL history and it goes back – beyond when Odell Beckham was a giant, um, read back into the beginning of the, of the game itself, in the, the college level, even before the pro game in the, you know, the turn of the 20th century, this is what football was. You know, it was basically, you know, a, 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 a version of rugby. And the problem was back then was people were dying on the field. You know, things like the flying wedge and these type of scrum things. And they obviously didn't have, helmets and protective gear like they do now, but there would be five, 10, 15 guys a year dying on the field. And they changed the rules to outlaw it to be, you know, much, much less of a rugby type game and more into, you know, evolved into the game we know today. So you're right. It's interesting, you know, from a player safety standpoint that you're, we're kind of going back to the caveman era of this sport of just, you know, bodies colliding. 
and uh, I think they will revi- visit this more for that standpoint. Like I think you might see something like the Players Association complaining about it, you know, and that would be something that could be negotiated maybe you know, if they don't make a rule change to collect a bargaining thing the next time they collect the bargaining things happening. But, you know, right now, they, you know, it, it, you're right, it goes back to great coaching and, and, and smart scheming. And, and it's something right now that, you know, can't be stopped. That, that doesn't mean that it'll never be stopped, but right now they have the competitive advantage on it. Um, yes. Uh, I do think it's interesting. You know, we were, <laughs> we were, <laughs> We were, we were talking about Jonathan Gannon uh, getting being one of the finalists. And what's funny is the Arizona Cardinals, like, wouldn't announce shit. Like, there were, like, this, like, trickles of information coming out, right? That was just like, oh, they're not going to announce anything until after the Super Bowl. And like You know what I mean? And now all of a sudden it's like the rumor is out that it's down to Lou Anarumo and Jonathan Gannon. Well, I don't know, man. You tell me. So we're talking about the offensive schemes here, and I, I understand that we're talking about two of the best schemed offenses I've seen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not exaggerating, I don't think. Um, They're right up there with, like, you know, the Rams in the late 90s for just, you know, progressive, innovative offenses, yeah. Yeah. It, it, all, all sorts of weird shit um, that you had to game plan for, even that ridiculous spin cycle huddle break thing that Kansas City did. I mean just just right. anything you can throw at the wall to confuse, you know, do. And we had one defensive coordinator step up to the plate and one who didn't. And that one who didn't step up to the plate schematically is the one who uh is now a finalist in the running for a head coaching gig. Um to me uh, I I I feel like when we did like our Giants preview things, every time I look at Philly's defense, it always came down to it's just like, I don't see it with this secondary. I know James Bradbury got this all pro fucking nonsense and Darius Slay is Darius Slay and, and whatever. But it's like I'm looking at it and like guys are open. It's just their pass rushes. They're so fucking fast. It just to me, it felt like Jonathan Gannon's defense was more a product of Howie Roseman's great player management roster management and having a ton of pieces to work with where he could just kind of be a guy, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I I'm mean, wrong. You remember they, they were plucking guys like a Dominican Sue out of like, you know, the scrappy just to bring him in for bodies, you know, yeah. that, and again, that's not like, you know, just some complete scrub off the scrappy. That's somebody who at least has a pro bowl pedigree. So you're right. They just able to get quality people in there. And yeah, I mean, did Dave have a sack? yesterday that, that pass rush i don't think what, what, so what, i don't what, think there were any real sacks in the game i think the two credited to kansas city were like give up plays by jalen hurts where he like ran out of right. bounds or something like that right but i mean there was pressure because both quarterbacks were doing the same thing they were scrambling kc was blitzing um mm-hmm. philly you know philly they relied on the speed rush. I think I saw the same person post some clip on Twitter of both speed rushers slipping on the paint. You know, yeah. with the, the, did you see that the grass was like a big issue? Oh, it was a major issue, major concern. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, th- that's probably the most manicured 
hundred yards of grass in the world, you know, and, you know, we've heard all the stories every year. It's the same grass superintendent or whatever he is, groundskeeper since Super Bowl one. And, uh, you know, he's had 56 good ones and he's had one bad one, I guess. Guess so. Yeah. Tough break. Whatevs. Um, We'll get into we'll get into our Philly excuses section of the show very shortly. Don't worry. Well, let's kind of talk. So we talked schematically, right? And to me, that was like just the jump out thing. This is just what made it such an entertaining Super Bowl. Is, it was almost like watching two guys play Madden in in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, You're watching greatness. That was the most exciting thing to me. Was we're watching Patrick Mahomes, you know, a great quarterback who's very close to becoming an all-time great, you know, do great things. It's not that much different than the Michael Jordan flu game where he's not Hmm. 100% physically and playing out of his skin. I mean, I I don't know what they shot him up with, you know, during, you know, after the injury. But the thing I, and I told this, I was watching with my buddies uh, this weekend, we were out in Colorado. I said, you know, this is a, right before the end of the half, uh, Philly had a long drive. And then, you know, halftime is three hours long or whatever it is that there was a long, long, long time for Mahomes to go in and get some treatment, get shot up with whatever he's going to get shot up with. So when you come back, don't be surprised if, you know, he's moving around. And I, I really think that long, you know, that, that final drive and the long, long halftime really, you know, saved Kansas City's ass. I mean, the difference between when he walked off the field with the injury to when he jogged into the locker room was already an improvement. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, they definitely shot him up with something in the locker room. There's no doubt about it. But like, I, I think also like once the initial like pain kind of wore off for him, that like spark of white pain that you get, yeah. I think he kind of settled into dealing with managing the pain he was feeling. Um, so. You think it's also a little bit of a drama king, Mahomes? A hundred percent. Yeah. I think he plays up the – and you know something? It, it could possibly be not just because he's a drama king, but psychology on the other side of the field. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, we're talking about 4D chess. You know, it's something where we've seen it now a couple times this year where it's like, like oh, my God, this guy's going to be out for 12 weeks, and all of a sudden he comes back and plays out of his ass. That's interesting. If – I might – not be remembering this right, but he got hurt on a third down and like 15 or something where he was scrambling, got tackled, and I think that was the last possession they had in the second quarter. So if he was hamming it up super hard, it would make sense because you never saw him again until the third quarter. And it was a good time to, you know, on fourth and 15, you're not staying out there. So, yeah, I mean, he's starting to in my mind a little bit into the Emmett Smith zone of where Emmett every game you thought he got shot and then he's still running for 140 yards after that. So just, just something to watch next year, you know, and uh, you know, in the years forward, watch Mahomes and see if there's some little bit of theatrics going on. I mean, we'll see too. I mean, like if he has to get some major off season surgery on his ankle or something like that, yeah, well then I'm wrong, <laughs> but <laughs> But anyway, with the schematic shit, I didn't want to, I didn't want to downplay some of the other play. I mean, we already mentioned Mahomes playing on like one and a half legs. He was doing some insane shit, some crazy throws, running around still. Big gain in the second half, huge run. Well, I don't know, was that like forty yards on a busted limb? All right, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Um, Dallas Goddard, man, what a game for him. Um, I don't. I mean, there were like. 
No, I almost sneezed. There were like three plays where I don't know how you could cover a guy any better, and mm-hmm. he still managed to make the catch. Like, just a sneaky, athletic, big body guy with like Velcro hands. One of my notes when I was watching the game was, "God, I'd love a tight end, a great tight end." You know, just we've seen in all these playoffs, these teams have really, really good tight ends, and uh, you know. In Spellinger, you're 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 a nice player, you know, <laughs> but you're not anywhere in the same universe as these as these Kelseys and, and, and all these guys. That and I love to have a guy like that, you know, who's not a punk like from Miami, like we've had in the past either. I mean, like a real all-pro tight end. So many things you can do. It's such it's such a mismatch nightmare. It, it changes your whole offense around. Travis Kelsey had that. Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes had that insane play on like third down where he's like getting tackled as he releases the ball and he throws this thing like shit. Mm-hmm. Kelsey's wide open in the middle. He makes a catch like off the top of his shoes. Yeah. That was and he, like, he like fell over, but still it's just like, my God, this game like couldn't get any more like Mount Olympus. Um, <laughs> um as good as everybody played, and Jalen Hurts, I, I thought, played pretty well. I mean, like, the stats with him, this offense with him just sort of seems like every once in a while they take a calculated shot downfield, damn the coverage. Mm-hmm. And then, like, on a couple plays, well, the Devontae Smith one was legitimately wide open on the sidelines. They busted coverage there. Um, but, like, was it the A.J. Brown touchdown? Was it A.J. Brown? That was yeah. just a fucking heave, dude. Yeah. And then, like, Trent McDuffie just, like, lost it in the lights. And it's just like, oh, oh my God. Like, that really happened? Um, but Jalen Hurts' fumble, man. I I don't know. If... Well, I have a note for that. That it's everyone was just like, oh, it's a shame that it went down that way for Hurts. You know, it's not his fault they lost. Like, well, wait a minute. Who no, had it's the 100% his fault. Who had the fumble? I mean... That could go down, you know. It's kind of forgotten the whole flow of the game because so many things happened. Uh, but that is a, you know, a goat-worthy play, and not goat as in great of all time. That was, you know, horrible. No, I mean, you could even go one step further. That was a fourth, a third and five. That was a third and one that the guard got called a false start mm-hmm. on that QB sneak alignment. So, I mean, who who's the real GOAT here? The play mm. doesn't even happen if it's right. not for that. Right. Um, but, I mean, really, and then, like, Nick Bolton gets that bounce right into his arms. How about this shit? What did you think about um, the very beginning of the second half? They threw that quick screen out, and uh, they clobbered whoever. I think it was Miles Sanders, but they clobbered him, and uh, Nick Bolton picked it up and ran it for a touchdown. They called it on the field touchdown and then overturned it. You know, um, I was correct on all three of those, you know, is it a catch, not a catch type of things. Uh, I want to have a conversation. Maybe today may not be the right day, but at some point about, you know, if there's a rule that the only time it can be correctly applied is we have to go to replay and watch it 55 times, (laughs) the rule has to change. And something (laughs) as basic, you know, there's, you know, the basic things in football – are throw, block, run, and catch. Four basic things in football. Tackle. And now with the most ba- uh, those four basic things, 
nobody can tell me what a catch is defined as. And having to, you know, every time it's a a close play has to be reviewed to, you know, and then we, they call, maybe that you don't see with your own eyes, something has to be done. You know, we have the technology now that we can see, you know, you know exactly what it is or not, but I think it just needs to be simplified. I mean, this is a game, you know, again, it's supposed to be for entertainment and to make, you know, and every time we have a catch, we have to stop the game and decide what is something as basic as a catch. That's a problem with this league. It needs to be corrected. I'm not saying it's because it's replays fault. I'm not saying it's the officials fault. I just think it's in general, we need a, a simpler rule for what it is. I think we've nailed the uh, the feet down kind of thing. We're still struggling with the possession through the ground mm-hmm. kind of situation. And I think, I, man, I don't the know. moving I, ball. Yeah, the, the, I, I get. I don't. We've gone, I guess I don't have an answer. Yeah, we've gone like ninety years in this league where moving ball was never really an issue, and yeah. all of a sudden it's changing the rule because of of moving ball. And I know. We have technology that can kind of spot it's moving or not moving, but still, the rule seems to be tweaked every year, and everybody gets confused. Like, oh, is that, oh, that was a rule two years ago. Oh no, now it's different this year. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's very annoying. And again, we watch football. Think of the average schmuck who's like who only watches, you know, for the Super Bowl or, or something, and they're like, "Look, well, he called it to me," but they don't know that little nuance of the of the, the ball, you know doing a little bit of this or doing a little something like that. And to them, it's stupid. It makes the whole exactly. thing a joke. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, well, I mean, does that does that just bring us full circle to the holding call? Yeah, you might as well. Um, Kurt Warner, I think, is spot on. I think, and we've already talked about this, we had the same, we had the same situation in the Giants game. Right against Washington at the end, mm-hmm. about swallowing the whistle and letting them play and not whatever. Right? Um, I don't know. Why don't you give me your thoughts first? I you know, sometimes I'm accused of flip flopping on different positions, but this is one position I have been adamant about from day one, and I will be till the end of time. Rules are rules are rules are rules. Period. We have one rule book. We have a rule book for a game that starts with the opening kickoff and ends with the final whistle. There are no rules for arbitrary crunch time or this point of the game or to help me win my bet or for my team to win. Rules are rules. And if you break a rule, you should be penalized for it. It can't be any simpler to me. I mean, we're not arguing whether he was held. I mean, if you don't think he was held, you need glasses. The question is, well, you know, at this point in the game, like, when does that period start? The start of the fourth quarter? You know, we don't know when it's defined as the last drive of a game. If it's a one-score game? I mean, you're going to make all these arbitrary, you know, things just to validate you and make you feel good. That doesn't work. That's why we have rules. And... You know, again, it's got nothing to do with the fact that this was, you know, the Eagles. It has nothing to do that it was a Super Bowl. It's to me, you need structure in these games and you need rules. And, you know, he held him. He got called. 
Yeah. Um, I have no rebuttal of that. I mean, you're absolutely right. And the biggest problem with the – in that time of – in my opinion, other than the fact that it's a stupid idea, um, there's no way to tell when that period starts and ends. Yeah, that's and, my point. Yeah, I, I mean – and I, I, you're asking a lot of an official to consider the time of the game – as it changes play by play while watching things in extreme detail play by play and then making that throw the flag decision, it, it, leave it alone. Just deal with it. A penalty is a penalty just like any other rule. And the rule book is the only thing we live by. If the rule book is not rock solid, then you have nothing. Right. And I have a few rebuttals of what the common you know, you know, phrases have been after this game. Well, they weren't calling it all day. Now they call it. It's not my fault that they were shitty officiating before this one. I mean, you're honestly going to tell me that you're mad because they finally got the call right after it's been wrong all day? <laughs> that is so stupid. I mean, I, I, I heard from – and not just people on Twitter crying. I'm talking about you know, legitimate blue check writers and things who are just like, you know, they've been letting that go all day. Well, guess what? They've been wrong all day. And, well, also, you know, because, it's just like, are you sure? Because – there are different penalties being discussed here. I mean, like a lot of times when this is brought up, like the, people bring up the the one where James Bradbury was in coverage on Juju Smith-Schuster and he, you know, kind of like was tugging at his back shoulder arm while reaching across to make a pass breakup, whatever. That's, that's pass interference. Right. And look, in my opinion, first of all, what he did was a – Pretty pretty slick veteran move. I mean, the way he grabbed his arm and and did it was like it was pretty lightning fast. So it's just possible that it got missed. But also, that's at the catch point. So I mean, that at the catch point is a bang bang play, and there's a lot of things for an official to be looking at to be scrutinizing fractions of a second. Along the route, on the other hand, is defensive holding and illegal contact. And those things dramatically affect what the outcome of the play is. And it's not hard to ask a defender to not touch a guy while he's running. And what they do, because you don't know for sure if he would have caught it or not, that's why the penalty is five yards in the first down. That's exactly. why it's not 15. That's why it's not a spot foul. It's – we don't know what, what could have happened, but we know what didn't happen because of this. So we're going to give you five yards and a first. I think it's a – you know. Legal contact or holding versus pass interference. I think it's that is, you know, when we complain that, you know, if a personal foul, you know, why does he get 15 yards for pushing the guy out of bounds? It's I think so. We we've always said there should be different levels of that. Well, this is that version of leveling right there. Pretty much. So, yeah. Um, the other thing that made me laugh was, oh, that one call robbed us of a great ending. I don't know, they man. I thought it was a great fucking, game. They fucking won on a field goal with 10 seconds left. What What more do you want? Overtime? I mean, the, I was just like, wait, wait, wait. But here's the thing. I under, I don't understand why the ire is directed at the officials. Why are they the ones that robbed you of a good ending? Why aren't you mad at the player? He what? committed the penalty. He said it himself. Mike Pereira agreed. I agree. We all agree it was defensive holding. So right. who robbed who of who? Right. He didn't have to do that. 
and you know, for all you people out there who are like, it's like the baseball thing. Like, well, I like small ball. I like bunting. I like coaching decisions. The whole end of that game, that final two minutes, is all about coaching. Mm-hmm. It was like, make sure the guy doesn't score. Uh, you know, using your tight outs, you know, smartly, thinking ahead. That's that was like the, the equivalent of baseball small ball there. And that's what everybody always says they like until they have to watch it. So this whole thing, all it is, it's just be, people being selfish and whining. People whine too much. You know, the I, call was I, a somebody call said that that ruined the game. It ruined. The, so you didn't have fun for the other two hours and forty five minutes of this game. That was no fun. It's all gone out the window. I would check those people's uh, DraftKings account and see how that financially impacted them. That correlation between ruining the game and if their balance went down after the game. Or if they're from Philadelphia. You saw that Hail Mary. What did we get robbed of? Yeah. Look, the guy kicked a a field goal (laughs) with 10 seconds left. (laughs) Sorry. It It just doesn't hold up. Stupid. Um... We got to talk Kadarius Tony. I'd be more than happy to. I'll just let you run with it. I got my own opinion, but just go ahead. Yeah. You know, that is exact. what you saw in this game is exactly what I saw for, you know, three years at Florida and hoping when he came here. He's not a guy who, you know, is your wide receiver one who's going to have every snap. He's a guy that will impact a game with two or three touches in a game. And, you know, all you people out there who are just like, well, he only played, you know, seven snaps this year. He was out for four games. That's fine. That's a risk I'm willing to take for a unique talent like this. And, you know, I I, I was pissed when they made the trade. I've been pissed ever since. I've been snarky on Twitter about it. You know, to me, you know, he did his job. And everybody's like, well, Next year, he, you know, who knows if he hurt? It doesn't matter. In a Super Bowl, he was available and he produced. So I, I just, you know, there are two things that can be true at the same time. This general manager, this coaching staff has done an amazing job with the Giants to bring us to this point where we were last year. It is also true they made a mistake by getting rid of Kadarius Tony, who is still on a rookie contract, still has some time left. Maybe Dory Jackson never gets hurt because Kadarius Tony, if he's healthy, is returning punts for you. I, you know, we can't play that game, but what if? Uh, I, I just think, you know, we, we saw it in the very beginning of the season when he wasn't hurt that he was only getting a handful of snaps. We knew this was not – this coaching staff didn't want him. And I just think they made a mistake. And, um, you know, good for him. I'm, I'm glad as a Gator, I'm, I'm very happy that, you know, he, he showed up in a big game and showed what he can do and – no, we'll move on, but it was I. I will maintain till I day I die that we made a mistake getting rid of him. Um, do you think he just has like a Percy Harvin like projection of availability? Sure. I mean, I'm not. I'm not just saying that because it's from Florida. I just mean. I mean, I don't know. I guess I went punt returner there on that. Yeah, one. No, it's, it's absolutely true. I think it's a guy that you know. And it, Person he was at Florida was probably pound for pound the best football player I've ever seen. You know, where especially wear the orange and blue. The guy can he this was a man among childs running around, but he suffered from migraines and he suffered from punching out his coach, but we won't talk about that on the show. But you know 
you you took the risk and you kind of accepted it that he may not be there for 13 games in a college season or 16 games in a pro season, but when he is available, he is a game changer. And that's what Kadarius Tony is, was, is, and will be. You know, you're never going to get 17 games out of him in a year. You're never going to get 60 to 70 snaps out of him every game, but the times he does t- touch it, he will change the game. We, we saw it in the playoffs. We saw it in this game. I mean, he really, he had a claim to be the Super Bowl MVP. For the one punt return? And the, and also a touchdown. No, that's a stat touchdown. But still, though, I mean, that yeah. punt return yeah, was right. huge. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not stuck I would say that Nick, it, but... Nick Bolton would have a claim also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which also, I was going to ask, if that call stood on that, which they called the incomplete pass, mm-hmm. um, would that have been the first time in Super Bowl history this that one player got two fumble returns for a touchdown in a Super Bowl? It would have to be, right? I mean, how many times has it happened in a game, period? I mean, really. Anyway, Kadarius Tony. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for the trade return to really see if it was a bad move or not. Um, continue to see what Kadarius Tony's career is like in Kansas City. Give it a little bit before I grade it. But I mean, you said it right. Like that that kind of talent. It it sucks. It didn't work out. And I I, I personally think that between the powers that be. And I mean the real decision makers of Joe Shane, Brian Dable, possibly John Mara, but I doubt it. But mainly those two guys. I think there was something there with him and his people that they got off on the wrong foot immediately. I think. Um, that one hundred percent. I think I think they got off on the wrong foot, and I think it was something other than football between the two of them, um, those two parties, and it just didn't work. And it sucks. It didn't work. Um, as far as it being a mistake, I'll, I'll wait for the returns. Um, but I mean, we wouldn't have been to the Super Bowl. Um, so, it, but who knows how different this, this season would have went if we could have had Kadarius Tony for some level of the season. I think, you know, at least it changes maybe your, your drafting and your free agents, uh, planning. If you sub Kadarius Tony, and you know, even if you know it, let's just say he's a part-time player because of the injuries and, and all the associated dramas with him. At least you know you have this guy in some capacity. Um, maybe it makes it. Maybe your decision to draft quarter uh, a wide receiver first on your board maybe it changes a bit. I don't know, but I don't know. Again, if he was if, if he had a contract similar to you know Kenny Galladay or something, I think it's different. But again, he's still on a relatively cheap rookie deal i think you you try to make it work a little harder well i i so i think part of it probably is i don't know that i don't know that it changes what you do in the draft or how you even attack the wide receiver position um, because you can't because you can't count on him you know what i mean like i'm not saying that like getting rid of him necessarily is the right idea like you have him around, but like, are you really not going to draft a wide receiver because you have Kadarius Tony? I mean, it's like you said, you know, you're not going to get 13 games out of him. Um, so yeah. I mean, like you, you're still going to do what you got to do in the, in the off season. And I think that, 
I think that lack of reliability and maybe it's just the time in the franchise. You know what I mean? Maybe it was just like he's a luxury that this team doesn't have room for right now, I guess. I don't know. If we had – if we – I mean the biggest question mark on this this franchise going forward is it will Daniel Jones be worth the money that it will cost probably to re-sign him? And the best way to know – if he's worth it, is if you give him a a stable of wide receivers and weapons to the maximize what he can do. I would definitely agree with that. And I think that's the part about Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony not working out that frustrates me the most. Not because of the results of the game or the embarrassment of having to trade away your first-round pick after one year or signing a guy to $72 million to get one dumb touchdown from your third string quarterback none of that shit it's because the real financial decision the real projection decision on how the future of your franchise is going to go hinges on what this guy can do at quarterback when he has legitimate receivers there they don't have to be great they have to run real routes and get real separation now in the case of kenny galladay i think he might just be shot man um i i don't know because they, they truly gave him a shot, and he just was not getting separation. And they had to make a business decision to get him the fuck off the field. Um, now, why they couldn't get him some red zone targets, I don't know. That is something that will bewilder me for forever. Um, Kadarius Tony, I don't know that we'll ever figure out what happened there. It's probably somewhere in the gray area between his fault and their fault. Yeah, and we'll just have to. We'll just have to. You know, I, I what I don't want to do going forward is every time he's on the field, every time he has a catch, every time he has a touchdown, that Giants Twitter melts down because of that fact that it happened. I well, think, I mean, did that know, happen? I I oh, didn't yeah. see that, but okay. I, I you know every time he had a catch, you know, all of a sudden in my timeline for you know a couple of minutes it was Kadarius Tony, Kadarius Tony, it's Kadarius Tony. It's like. There are two wide receivers that are not on this team and that, you know, will not be on this team going forward. Kadarius Tony and Odell Beckham. And I swear to God, for every tweet I see about, you know, any one of Hodgkins or any one of our receivers, I see ten tweets about those two guys. You people have to let it go. Okay. We got some closure with Kadarius Tony. He he won his Super Bowl. He was an important piece. Everybody has their opinion. I've stated mine is I can't state it any more clearly than I have today and on Twitter and stuff. You people have all made your decisions. You're either in the, you know, this guy is the Antichrist or they should have given another chance, but we're not changing any more opinions. In 2023 and going forward, I do not need my feed to be the Kadarius Tony watch. Don't need it to be the Odell Beckham watch. Over. Past. We're moving on. I'm not going to talk. I promise. I won't talk about him anymore. I won't do my standard. You know, smarty subtweet about it. I, I I promise that to you. I'm saying to you, Giant fan, talk about something else, please. The Beckham thing is wild. I mean, like, I guess there was like an... I can't fault people for talking about it when they legitimately took him out to dinner. You know what I mean? Um, that is a thing that happened. So... Fine. But, but, but like... The everything else and like we've stated our piece on Odell Beckham, right? Yeah, and like and to to, yeah. to what you said, like 
the same closure happened. He went with the Rams. He was an important part of the Super Bowl. Even though he got hurt, he still got his ring. He had a touchdown in that game, didn't he? Two teams after he was with us. Yeah. it's. I mean, there's our closure right there. Done. Let him go. It's fine. I don't care if he wants to come back here. He wants to go anywhere we'll make him money. And I don't care what he does going forward. I, I don't care if he has a touchdown in week six against the 49ers. That means nothing to me. I could. I don't play fantasy football. I, I don't care. If it's, you know, we have to play. It's either us or uh, San Francisco in week 17. The loser loses a wild card spot. Yes. I'd be interested to see what he does in that game. But, you know, until then, I don't care. You know, I'm. I don't care what Carmelo Anthony does the rest of his career. I don't care what Odo Beckham does. I have. To, you have to move on. And speaking of which, we are going to be moving on from the 2022 season. It's 2023 off season time, starting today. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, so today is officially the start of the 2023 off season. Um, do you feel like you got closure from your 2022 season? Yeah, I, I know something. Again, I said it at the the episode we recorded after the Philly loss that, you know, it was like, okay, you know, I was upset that we lost to a bitter rival, but it gave me the measuring stick of where we are right now, what we have to do. And I was very excited to move forward and get this thing started. So this is the most excited I've been in an off season in a very, very long time. I don't feel like we're starting any rebuilds or there's no roadmap. You know, we don't have a, a lame duck coach that you know may or may not be fired this year or next year or cap hell or you name it. I mean, this, you know, we earned our way into the playoffs. You know, we still have some moderate lifting not quite heavy lifting but i'm excited i'm excited about the whole process i'm excited about what we're going to do with the cap money i'm excited about or interested interested excited about what we're going to do with the two main pieces to this offense i'm excited about the draft i'm excited about you know free agents um post-draft signings i'm excited about all of this i'm i'm ready for camp to begin i know it's still seven months away whatever but yeah Last year's over, and let's let's make this team better starting right now. You said it, man. Uh, this end of the season, I got my closure. Everything kind of happened the way I think I wanted it to. Nobody, no, none of the coaches got other jobs so far. Everything looks good on that front. I I enjoy the fact that the Eagles went to the Super Bowl in a certain sense. I like the fact that they're good and that they are a real rival. You know, when we're when we're both bad and we're four-win teams, it doesn't really matter how much I hate them or how much I hate their coach because we both suck. We, it's way to, different when we're both good. How many December games have we been in the Meadowlands when it was Giants Eagles? We remember we bailed on our family Christmas party to go to that game. You and go it was there just and like, you argue with other fans, and it doesn't matter because both teams suck. So who cares which one sucks less? I, um, I, you know, I just to clarify what you said. I'd prefer them. Fine that they're good, but I don't want them to be Super Bowl good. I rather no. Be, I mean, I don't losing, want losing the conference championship game because those are very two very stressful weeks for me. I'm still dealing with PTSD over Georgia winning the national title, having the Eagles win it would just put me over the ledge probably. So I don't need that kind of stress in my life. But no, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, but yeah, you get my ultimate point here. And and mm-hmm. to be honest, we we had uh, before the Super Bowl just a couple of weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago. We had 
our episode where we kind of went through our endings. It was you, me, and Bobby. And you wanted the the full Georgia blowout ending. I'm going to say I got exactly what I wanted, which you was did. a legitimate heartbreaker. Yeah. Bobby, hey. Bobby wanted to lose on a bullshit call. I think they kind of think right now that that is what happened. But I think as time passes, they will come around to the fact that it was really James Bradbury's fault. And uh, I think I'll get my way. And the reason I wanted it was for that reason. The heartbreakers, man, they eat you from the inside. I will never, ever, ever get over that loss to the 49ers in the 2000. Um, but that was bullshit. Right. That, but that's different. That was that was the fact that they did not call a yeah. penalty. Yeah. This was one there was a penalty called in their pitching. That was they just they literally swallowed the whistle and it fucked us over and I to this day in my 50 years of being on this rock, I have never been angrier after a game than that one. And that includes any Gator game I've ever been to. How I, I didn't watch the playoffs the rest of the season and boycott. You know, the Nielsen ratings didn't reflect that, but I was, I couldn't, I couldn't watch. I was that angry, you know, and then I go down to San Diego with my buddy who's a Bucks fan to the Super Bowl. I almost got in a fight with Trey Wingo about it. That's how angry I was. So really, I did. We were, we were at a bar out because you know, I wasn't going to pay money to go to the Super Bowl for that. And my friend didn't have any money. So we were at a bar and Trey Wingo was sitting there and this is like the, the day of the game. And I was wearing my Giants jersey. I think I was wearing my I Kill Your jersey. And he made some snide comment about the Giants. And I turned and I looked at him. I'm like, that's why all the real ESPN announcers are in the stadium right now and you're in this shitty bar with us. <laughs> and, and he got all mad. He's like, oh, whoa, 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 who are you? I'm like, and a guy in a bar just like you are. <laughs> and then he just kind of like, his furled brow a little bit and he just kind of walked away. I'm like, you're a bitch. And so, you know, even for the next 15 years, he's doing ESPN shows. I'll know as you remember, he's just some punk that was in a bar, couldn't even get into the stadium for a Super Bowl. <laughs> wow, that's funny. Yeah. Fuck Trey Wingo. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us. Uh, I'm not sure what we got next week. Are we going headlong into just an off-season needs overview? Yeah, I think so. I think we. Uh, you, you said we have closure on last year. I think we can kind of but last year to bed and to start here's our you know this is what we have right now this is what I have to work with you know pre draft pre free agency and kind of say you know what do we have what do we need you know at, using teams like Kansas City and Philly as our guidelines of what we need to be pretty much you know, yeah we'll, we'll start going from there yeah so that will be where all these episodes are on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on YouTube. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at football underscore grump at the cranky fan. And we will see you next week, next Tuesday morning. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants. Let's go Giants!